episode 256 of Global from Asia. I feel like it's a topic we should be covering. China and USA trade war. What's going on? Welcome to the Global from Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now your host, Michael Michelini. I hope everybody's having a super Tuesday. It's the beginning of June, June 4th. I won't get into some of the history of June 4th. We are talking about the hot topic, China and USA trade war, which is a one that's been filling my inbox and social media accounts for a few weeks now, most of May, I think. We'll talk about the interview, but uh, it's been a lot of stuff happening about this topic getting many people in our our little world here of cross-border trade and e-commerce and business and uh, Asia and even the show name Global from Asia. I mean, there's been a lot at, a lot at stake lately. I mean, I guess it keeps things interesting. Hopefully, people haven't lost too much sleep. If we joke about that a little bit in the interview and today um I think this one is going to be a very popular show. We're going to be also launching a survey today on the pod, on the blog. I want to hear from you. We, I've been talking to amazing people at Wall Street Journal, South China Morning Post, Frederick China Import Hall, talking to Chris Davy, FBA for you, talking to people all over this space in WeChat groups and private messages and member calls at VIP, GFA VIP and all this stuff and I want to try to make an industry report, maybe some kind of a white paper or data research. So if you want to be part of this report and you want to also have your voice heard and get that report in return, if you so choose to get that report, we're doing some research here at Global From Asia. You can check out some of the insights I've been hearing already from the trade war and you can uh, fill out your survey as well as a cool little poll which is fun. So there's two different ways you can engage and interact. Globalformasia.com slash trade war survey. All one word, no dashes, no underscores, none of that fun stuff. Just trade war survey. Or check it out on the show note linked. We're going to do our job here. I feel like it's part of my job as a blogger, podcaster, reporter, journalist, dude with a camera on his neck sometimes doing video blogs. But... We have our team, and I would really love to hear your feedback if you are affected by this U.S. trade war, U.S. and China trade war. I think it's going to affect everybody, you know. If anybody from the course factories in China, we have for shipping today, Cornelia, of course, shipping companies, sellers, importers, brands and even the end consumer in America you know my mom and dad buying off Amazon I don't know I think they mostly buy in Walmart but for everybody buying products in America I think you're going to be feeling it I think Christmas is going to be a little bit more expensive for the gifts this year I think no matter what but if you want to give me your insights definitely take us up on that offer I will have it rolling for a couple of weeks maybe until mid-June and then I'll be digging into data with our team and making some kind of an industry report of the findings. So the more insights we get, the better. Globalformasia.com slash trade show, trade war, excuse me, trade war survey. We have trade shows too. 
got a lot of different things going on in this world of the cross-border business. So I want to get into the show and then I'll do the blah, blah, blah at the end. I'll also get some more insights of what's happening. And I'm doing this all before my kids home from come home from school. We are um, getting the studio rocking and rolling here. Let's tune in. Cornelia, the head of international business development from one of our partners and sponsors of our many things here at Global from Asia, Forest Shipping. We had the founder on the show as well, Forrest Jong. Same name as the business. And the previous episode, we'll link it up on the show notes. Cornelia and I have a discussion about this whole trade war. And I think she's a great guest to have. She gives some insights to deal with Chinese sellers as well as international sellers. They ship from you. Their 80% of their market is Chinese goods to U.S. markets. So they must deal with a lot. I mean, thousands, over thousands of clients, some, lots of inquiries every day. So, of course, support this. Support our sponsor. Definitely um, check them out. But with this show is very insightful, very helpful. We want to add value, educate. I, I got some insights, too, about differences of how the Chinese sellers in the U.S. market versus international sellers into the U.S. market are dealing with this differently and how their how their uh, business's uh, strategy is different, which is also fascinating. Got And then at the end, we keep the value going. She gives some great tips at the end and, uh, and ways that you can calculate this. So I definitely ho- I think you'll enjoy this one. Episode 256 of Global From Asia, globalfromasia.com slash episode 256 for the show notes as well as the photo of our guests and transcriptions. We try to get transcription out as soon as the show is live. All of that and more at the blog. But let's tune into the interview and then after some more blah, blah, blah. Thanks. Let's do it. Trade war or no trade war, there will be international payments and goremit.hk are loyal sponsor here at the global from asia podcast is there to help you make payments from your hong kong bank to other parts in asia of course into china for your manufacturing or your office or operating costs or freelancer costs philippines vietnam thailand like me and other places we really appreciate them sponsoring it's free of course to create an account to go through the kyc know your customer process and you only pay fees when you exchange your money when making a cross-border payment and rates are very competitive definitely better than paypal and others we would love you to look at them and check them out www.goremit.hk tell them gfa sent you thank you okay thank you everybody for tuning into another global from asia podcast we have there's been a lot of recent events the last couple of weeks, and uh, I, I'm excited to fi- also finally get her on the show. Uh, we've we've known each other in the community for quite some time, Cornelia from Forest Shipping, and a great business connector and uh, and helpful to many sellers and business people in Shenzhen and South China. So thanks for coming on, Cornelia. Hello, Mike, and everyone who's listening to us. I am Cornelia Lambropoulou. I know it's a big name, huh? Yeah, I was <laughs> saying, I, I think it's best you say it, say it, so it's great. And I am the head of the international department of Forest Sipping International Company here in Shenzhen. So I've been living and working in China the past five years uh, in e-commerce and Amazon Sipping and logistics field. 
And I feel really excited to join your podcast, uh, Mike. I hope I can offer some, you know, useful insights of the latest and hottest topic about the U.S.-China trade war. Yeah. But before we start the discussion, I would like to thank you for inviting me. Since I've met you until now, I still believe the same first thing. You know, you are a real pro who really loves what he's doing. And this is something, you know, which is really rare to see in our days. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think <laughs> I mean, we connected. You know, this was great about doing these events like the Cross Border Summit, which will, our fourth annual is coming up. And I think it was the first or second. Uh, you've, you've been very supportive to come. And yeah, we met through the event. And, and yeah. uh, it's great. You're also very helpful too. And, uh, and thank you and for shipping for being one of our preferred partners and, and, and supporting the show and the community here. So I also thank you back. <laughs> So thank you. <laughs> sure. So yeah, like you said, and uh, I mentioned where the trade war is this really hot topic. And I think um, we've both been talking to some different journalists and the media and everybody's been asking. So yeah, I think it's still a hot topic even a couple weeks in um, since this has been really picking up. But uh, I think it's great to have you and, and your experience come because like you're in Shenzhen, you're dealing with all these sellers from China to the overseas for Amazon and, and different, you know, e-commerce uh, platforms. So maybe first you could give us some data, some insights about maybe how, what kind of clients you're, you know, what kind of people you would typically deal with so that when we know, you know, you're dealing with sellers a lot is the U S market primarily, or, or, or um, maybe some insights about what kind of, um, uh, I think I think the numbers speak from themselves. It's always about a number. So for the last quarter, our company's clients uh, reached the number of one thousand one hundred thirty, both Chinese and overseas. I need to mention here that the approximate number of the daily incoming inquiries that our overseas department received are around forty to fifty as a number. If that helps. Okay. So we are talking. For the overseas clients from uh, U.S., India, Europe, uh, wherever, all around the world. Okay. Now, of course, I think the most interesting number is the percentage of those shipments which actually leave from China ahead to the, to the U.S. market. So, well, this number is huge and it's close to 80% out of all our total we have clients all over the world. We also have clients here in China. But I think the most important number and part is to say uh, that the 80%, this 80% means that wherever you are all around the world, you're shipping from China to US. And that's, that's a really big number. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. It's uh we'll get into some of hopefully you know uh, everybody gets through this okay. Um, we'll talk about some of the good and the, maybe the pros and the cons, but uh, yeah, and like just another point for for listeners to make sure that they understand. Uh, a lot of times, especially when I talk, we've both talked to some different reporters, and people think it's like U.S. sellers and Chinese sellers, but yeah. there, there's there's sellers all around the world that maybe Australia. They're just because they live in Australia. There's a friend of mine, Chris Thomas, that has a podcast there, The Australian Seller. Definitely check it out. Uh, it's a good one about you know 
but they don't just sell in Australia. They sell in the U.S. and they buy from China. So, I mean, anybody anywhere can buy from China and sell to the U.S. So I think a lot of times people ask, like, how is it going to affect U.S. sellers? It's not really – it's maybe people selling in the U.S., which could be a Chinese – based seller selling in the U.S. Amazon market or anywhere in the U.S. really. Um, so yeah, I think that's a good point. So, um, but it, like you said, 80% of, of your uh, your clients are selling it, importing into the U.S. and selling uh, in, in the U.S. market, um, which is... Yeah, we have many clients also from India that they sell, you know, uh, into the U.S. market. So... No, it doesn't have to do where you're actually based, but it has to do more where you source your products from and where you send them, where you ship them. So yeah. That- yeah, so this trade war, I can't remember when it first started. I feel like, I feel like at least in my mind, um, there's been a couple of different milestones, but I think at least for this latest uh, craze of talk about it, it was a tweet, at least I think it was a tweet or something in like around mid-May where Donald Trump says, you know, China's not going to, seems to be willing to do what I think they said that they were going to do and uh, we're going to stand firm and make it 25%, increase from 10% to 25%, something like this. I don't know if that's maybe what you you remember or uh, or how you've seen this this mm. unfold so actually, or maybe I'm wrong. so actually the story started at the beginning of 2018 the u.s tariff policy was introduced in six core stages throughout the year but i think i shall not go deeper into this as many back and forth talks had been going on during that time and i'm afraid that that will create more confusion than clarity to to our listeners sure so over the course of 2018 the trump's regulations levied import tariffs on nearly just listen to the number 280 billion dollars of us imports with rates raising between 10 and 50%. In mm. response, China hit back with tariffs being around 16% on a number close to $120 billion of U.S. exports. Following the U.S. into its first event of large-scale tariff protection. So we haven't seen similar case of protectionist this this, you know, this size since the Great Depression, you know, since the 1930s. Whoa. And of course, questions raising, you know, about the future of international trade. So yeah. now we go back to what you said, because you were right. Most, most of the people, they thought that actually the whole thing started in the middle of May. But if we go back exactly one month ago, it was on 13th of April, we had a private discussion. There was a private discussion in Beijing between Chinese and U.S. official representatives. So at that time, the whole scenario changed again. And it took back, you know, our hopes that this endless trade nightmare would have finally reached to an agreement. And then after five days of this, boom, it was when you actually saw the Trump's Twitter announcement on mm. the increase of the U.S. tariffs. So what happened? Of course, there is a background, I guess. <laughs> sure. From the U.S. side, China 
was accused that was going back on its former promises. And they actually, the US side said that they had basically reduced the 130 paid agreement into 103 pages, leaving many arrangements out of it. So now from China, from the China side, at least it was revealed by the press that US were, uh, was constantly adding more and new demands during the negotiation at its latest. But there is no official reply from Beijing on this. Mm. Now you're asking me, I think we all wait to see what is going on, you know, what is going to happen, how this conflict is going to end, and how this is going to change so what we know so far about the international trade, you know, trade scenery. And I have the sense we will soon hear from about it. Uh, this July, the coming July, which, uh, which is taking place in Japan, the, the TIG20 uh, summit. So that's the whole story. Okay. Thanks for the <laughs> as background. As possible. <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate it. I know. I mean, well, I think we got the background. I think the interesting part is, you know, what, what you've been hearing, you know, you're on, on the ground in, you know, in Shenzhen and you're working, you know, with the international markets and, uh, I'm sure you know. I've been to your office a few times, and there's. I'm sure there's probably your 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 team asking you or your your management team how. I'm. Um, can you? I mean, of course, it's always tricky to expose client information, but maybe generally, what what was maybe <laughs> some of the email or people freaking out? I mean, I know a lot of people I saw in different community groups was, I don't even know how much it's going to my tax my import duty is going to change like. I think everybody is really just scared of the unknown. I mean, what what were kind of some of the things that were coming into the to the company? Uh, you would expect that actually the company will get clouded with emails or messages, right? I wouldn't say that, to be honest. Not at all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think internet, you know, that's the whole job. Oh, okay. <laughs> so for us. There are a few, of course, we have uh, a few, uh, we had few regular clients of us that they, they reached us and, you know, they wanted to get more, to get to know more of what we have heard, explain them the situation and what we anticipate, you know, mostly to be aware of how this is going to affect or whether it has impact on their, you know, shipping costs on their duties and likely to, you know, to get prepared. So, so far, everything runs smoothly, I have to say, with no big changes on, you know, on the daily set. For some forest shipping customers, of course, and those are, you know, the smaller uh, Amazon sellers, the smaller size Amazon sellers, that they currently hesitate to ship. And the reason is that they, with some of them that I have already uh, had a discussion with them, they wait for the trade war outcomes. And, you know, I guess this makes, you know, totally sense. Hmm. Actually, I, I, 
I wonder the dates. I think I swore I read something like if it's already on the sea, it wouldn't be affected, but things leaving the port, did it, I don't know when things take effect. I guess it obviously depends on it's political. I, do things happen so fast? I mean, uh, usually politics and government's slow, right? Or do these things take effect? You know, when do these things constantly change? I mean, I, I don't know. It, wouldn't it take a long time or uh, to take effect? Probably yes, probably not. <laughs> Unfortunately, I cannot reply to this, you know, to these questions, you know, and be uh, certain that when or yeah, whether. So I cannot, I cannot say yes. It's going to be. Uh, I think that they do not even know when they will actually start, you know, affecting this. So I cannot be. Mm. I cannot be also. Yeah. <laughs> sure. You think that's what everybody's, and then. I guess uh, some uh, some people don't even know how to even understand. I know people saying, "Is there a list? How do I know my you know?" They, there's a, I think it's HTS HCC harmonized tariff codes. Um, yeah, I think people want to know like how much is my that, product gonna go up. That's my first and the most important advice. It's like everyone gets panicked, like, "Oh my God, I'm going to pay crazy duties and so on." But the first thing that oh, you know. All Amazon sellers or all those, you know, the, um, they ship from China to, to US, the first thing that they have to do is to check their, ATS, uh, their a- HTS code. So um, this code is a six-digit code. To explain you better what that is like, it's the, it's the ID of your product. In China, we have different ID. When we ship to US, we have different ID. When we ship to France, we have different ID and so on. So let's say this is the ID of your product. So when you're going to import into the US, uh, at the customs clearance, they're going to check the ID of your product. So this is going to give you the whole idea about your, your duties, how much you're going to pay. So for this one, it would be good either to check with your supplier. For example, you talk with your supplier and they're going to guide you. So if the suppliers cannot, then you would probably need to go to the official side of the U.S. customs that they give you uh, a better you know, overview of which should be the best TS code, HS code, they, they use both of, of both of these uh, words to to give the best ID and know exactly how much you're going to pay for duties. I don't know if that makes sense, but you need first to check your HS code, your US HS code to all our listeners and to all those that they want to ship from China to US. Agreed. Yeah, we'll we'll link it up on the show notes some some of these resources. But but yeah, basically, because it depends on the. It's not. I, there's been talk about ten percent, twenty five percent, but I think it also depends on like you know we can call H S H T S the tariff code. Um, so it's uh, unfortunately it kind of depends on the product category. It's not yeah, like exactly. I think there's might be some some base some people some are more affected than others and. Uh, so yeah, definitely. At I think anybody now, listening. At least for now, you know, um, it's like there are, um, there are three stages that uh, they say that 
they are going to follow regarding the, the ACES code. Those three rounds, let's say, in a series of tariff announcements have been already announced, uh, but we need to continue to check the status of our HTS code, you know, to stay updated on each round of announcements. Yep, I'd, I'd, I'd agree. And yeah, I think that's part of the job of a seller. And yeah, like talk to the factory or maybe talk to their logistics company or, or look up online. Their, uh... Or even you can ask your freight forwarder, you know, uh, for example, us, we always going, you know, to uh, talk with our customs, U.S. customs agents and ask them for this product. Uh, what do you think should be more suitable? What could you know suggest as another option? But again, you know, it's it's not on us. It has to do with the U.S. customs. If they decide that they want to name your product, even another idea on your product, mm -hmm. there's nothing that you can actually do. Yeah, there's others. <laughs> oh, go ahead. I mean, there's others. I didn't put in the interview, but you know, some people are like, "Oh, can I just send it to Hong Kong first and then send it to U.S. Yeah, and yeah. say it's made in Hong?" <laughs> I'm sure you guys got that question or um, I guess just to make sure people understand that that doesn't work I, unless you want, I don't think for shipping would do it, but maybe some, some really uh, small companies would lie. It's basically lying on paperwork of where the origin of the product is. Yeah. So yeah, I don't think any logistics provider, freight forwarder, customs agent would want to uh, facilitate a seller to basically forge documents on the origin of the of the of the goods because exactly. that's basically you know from where to where you know um but uh yeah i'm sure people have probably asked you guys that and uh people are asking over here that too um I'm, I'm also curious i don't know maybe if you have the answer or not but you like you think you guys are one of the more unique companies that deals with both the chinese seller community and the western or international seller community is there any differences you would say from the response or the questions or or the or any other insights uh you mean about how they actually well, i guess you know well you you said there wasn't many many questions but i guess i'm just wondering if you think a, a chinese-based seller to the u.s versus like an international seller to the u.s is is responding differently or taking this differently you know they're both treated equally because they're both like you said selling in the u.s importing to the u.s their taxes on this customs would be the same but i just wonder just in general if there's any insights maybe are they planning something different i think um like for example um just give maybe some more insights some people think that a f international seller might be a little bit more at advantage maybe because they have they, their English might be better and they could talk to a factory outside of China more easily than a Chinese seller that might have to find a factory outside of China for certain sources. Does that make sense? Yeah. Or, you know, I think the Chinese sellers don't ever plan to buy and sell non-Chinese manufactured goods, whereas an international foreign seller might be more open to sourcing outside of China. I think that's kind of what... Yeah. I'm I will tell you, first of all, um, you know, almost all raw materials are still made in China and they come from China. So actually, if you even go and search outside of China to source your products, for example, 
again, those countries, they need to use, those factories, they need to use raw materials that they come from China. So that means that Chinese sellers, I believe that they're, you know, they're going to hesitate to, you know, change their, their local suppliers, but also the international sellers. I will say you one thing, which for me, it's, it makes difference on the whole story. So we work both with Chinese and international sellers. <clears throat> and there are differences, but all, I think that they are all derived from the same main factor, the world competition. I will come to your, to your question. So Chinese sellers are more competitive than Westerns. And this is something that many of us who live as experts in China can distinguish and understand of what I mean by that. So, mm -hmm, definitely. So Chinese sellers are born and raised to face the competition as a daily challenge and that everything and everyone you know, is, is consumable. In a simple world, Chinese sellers are not afraid of the competition and uh, they deal well with, uh, with the risk when they have to take it. So for instance, if, uh, if uh, we have a foreign arrival who moves on price war, Chinese sellers, the response will probably be like, great, I love to play that game. Mm -hmm. Due to the same key factor, you know, Chinese sellers are kind of obsessed with the competition research. So they will spend time and money to learn as much as possible, you know, about their rivals um, in order to either penetrate into the same market with an existing product, but by offering better pricing and more or other added features. So Chinese sellers study a lot you know, the market, the competition, and how they make this research. This is where the big difference is negotiable. Whereas Western sellers, you know, even though uh, they know that they have to deal with the competition, they focus more on establishing their own brand and they sell their products by building trust with their consumers. Yeah. But from the Chinese side, Sellers play, you know, prefer to play otherwise. So they, they spend more time and money on finding the least, the product with the least competition of each category. So I'm saying all this because I'm trying to explain that Chinese are very competitive and they do not feel reluctant, you know, to, to the risk or the changes that they will come. Even though they live in a very, you know, stable place it's a very stable market you know in china uh government uh protects you know many things i will not yeah. emphasize more on that but what, yeah. I, I yeah. want, what i want to say is that chinese sellers because of all these they seem to be more optimistic and more confident that everything will end up you know into a win-win situation whereas overseas they seem to be very anxious because those that they keep conducting us, they're mostly, you know, overseas and not Chinese. Interesting. That was the story behind the competition, you know, because I think this has to do with the mentality and, you know, 
and the culture. I like it. I mean, this, this is really amazing insight. It's true. I mean, I definitely agree about Chinese are not afraid of competition and they almost welcome it. And uh, maybe it's, it's true. I mean, we're Western sellers. I mean, it's true. We're more into branding and more. Yeah, it's true. I think also just generally sensitive, sensitive. I mean, I'm definitely a sensitive person. I mean, I'm not saying all Westerners are, but I think it's also a true kind of statement where Chinese are very like, I'm just going to do do it no matter what. And this is not going to phase me. I'm just going to keep pushing forward this going on my normal plan where like a Western seller might be like more stressed out because of these news and, and focuses on this, uh, in this news. But, um, it's interesting insights to hear. Um, and, uh, um, so have you, of course it'd be some juicy news. Like I, I, I give you some more insights. Um, I've talked to a lot of people about this. So like one example is, um, uh, I just put it credit. I mean, he also says show Frederick from China Import Hall. He was talking to me in, in WeChat and he said, uh, it's not so easy for people to move out of China. Like you had said, Cornelia. And he says, um, you know, if, if they were to try to move, especially if it's some very unique product with molds and, and their infrastructure, if the prices gets too high where the market won't bear the increased price, they'll just have to go out of business, you know, I mean, or change their product, you know, like they just can't, they can't just go to Vietnam or they can't just go to like another country and just make it, you know, like it was a little bit scary. So I don't know if anybody is thrown in a towel or say they're going to sell or cancel their business or any, maybe some Western sellers you say are more emotional. Maybe they're just getting frustrated with all the already. It's, you know, it's very, it is true. I mean, Amazon's not as easy and it never was easy, but it's definitely, it's not as easy as it used to be and it's continuing to get more difficult. So I don't know if anybody's thrown in the towel or if you have any interesting stories about how maybe people are re- reacting to this or, you, you know, I, I know earlier I asked you too, and you said there's not much, not much news, but I don't know if there's any, so any I kind think of I will story. Tell you, I know what you mean. So I think Amazon sellers are used somehow to the, you know, ever changing Amazon landscape. So, yeah, <laughs> I think that Amazon sellers, you know, they have the ability to adapt because, you know, it's uh, everything that Amazon throws on their way during, you know, during their, during their business with, with Amazon. Those, I believe that they're, you know, serious Amazon sellers, but I mean with serious is like they really believe in their product. They have really invested, you know, time and money for what they believe is good. And also that they have their, you know, their loyal, I would say, uh, consumers that, you know, they keep buying their products or they see that, you know, still the market, this product is important to be existed or even makes a difference. I would just say, you know, that I think Amazon sellers right now, uh, they're just trying like all the rest, you know, mm-hmm. you know, they're just trying to, to realize how this is going to affect them. So no drama so far. Hopefully we will not have drama because, you know, this thing happens, this kind of thing happened, but um, we need to be realistic. This dispute over duties might take a year or two or more to resolve, you know? And, And this might be our new reality, at least for now. That's why I'm saying we need to realize that this is going to affect 
every pillar of you know the retail industry and you could say that this will somehow modify the supply chain world as we know it until now so it is a storm and it will yeah. slowly pass just need to find our new standards and adjust to them in order to move on yeah i i've been thinking as you as you're answering and I, I we had a mini series here at global major e-commerce gladiator and I, I i like you know i picked the name and i think like i think sellers are like the gladiators in the arena of the modern mm -hmm. day you know world i mean like you said right they're like stuck i mean i'm also you know in in it too i mean we're kind of like somewhat stuck in the middle of the u.s and china war and then we're stuck in jeff bezos's world of the the fees and then the storage you know there's sometimes there's long-term storage fees and then there's increased fees and there's like ads and there's competitors yeah i mean it's it, you're in this arena and you're just battling all these huge giants that you don't have too much control of and you as a seller have to kind of navigate and survive and thrive and and uh, of course many are doing really well i think it's true like maybe practice meditation or maybe it's also something about china or asia is the zen zen you know calm your mind and just focus on on, on executing exactly. rather exactly. than worrying about yeah. everything around you exactly cool <laughs> this is yeah so i guess for us shipping too you know is is there any internal discussions in management or are you guys like <laughs> you know i worried or is is this something that is or may have you seen any effects as uh -huh. ship has has inquiries dropped as people has uh, has has you know as I mean it was really early still but I mean I guess just kind of how are you as a business uh, reacting to this or as a company uh, so far we have no particular plans to be honest you know uh, plan B uh, not many things have changed so far for us and I don't know if they're going to change. And I, I will explain you the reason because we are we have built over the years a very strong and reliable network of partners and agents worldwide, which has enabled us to offer our shipping and logistics services to our you know clients as they experience them until now. So it's not like we are based and we ship only from China to to the US. But uh, we can ship all over Asia, and this is what we also do. But of course, the sellers are not that many. Those that they source from other countries outside China, there are not that many. But still, we offer this service. So okay. since we offer international shipping, you know, it, it's okay for us, you know. Uh, of course, if this keeps going on, we need to, to see how this is going to affect and I believe that we will be able to see that within the next quarter to get, you know, a whole overview of whether our sales have dropped or what is going on with the volume. If we have uh, also uh, need degrees on the shipment volumes. Yeah, sure. Sure about that. But I think it is more like the smaller size companies that their business based on the exclusive model, you know, FBA shipping from China to US, maybe those they will, you know, they will have to face some serious difficulties to, you know, to adjust. Got it. Okay, that's good to know. Actually, I, 
I didn't know uh, that you, you, so you can do shipping from like Southeast Asia to, you know, US. It's not just from China. So that's good for me to even know for my own <laughs> use because I we use your services too. Because um, I'm even looking, I'm even, I'm hey, even talking to factories I'm in going to make Thailand. A, a cold call and explain you everything. <laughs> yeah, I need to get on the sales call. But uh, so that's good. So then listeners can also get the help from you for if they do get lucky and find, maybe not lucky, but diversify to have, you know, sometimes you can find the same product. I'm, I, uh, I, I also have products that I can find if they're somewhat commodity in, in Southeast Asia as well as in China. So sometimes maybe it never hurts, just like uh, we always advise people here on the show to not just be purely dependent on Amazon, trying to get on like shopping carts or Shopify or, you know, Etsy or or even eBay or other channels, just like that, you should also try to have multi-supplier. Even inside China, you should try to have multiple factories inside China, but if you can also have factories, you know, outside, but it definitely adds to the complexity. It definitely adds to the complexity. You know, it depends. It depends, you know, if you're a private label seller, it's like, you know, if you're a private label seller, it's like, you know, you spend so much time to manage to negotiate with your Chinese mm-hmm. supplier, you start building the product as exactly you want it, you know, and now you're thinking probably I should find another supplier. Maybe those that they are not, you know, private label sellers, maybe for them it would be easier if they want to, you know, go global uh, or search for other countries that they could source their products. But for those that they are private labels, I think I don't know how flexible this will be for them to to move out of China. True. Yeah, it'd definitely be hard. So, so we'll see how this definitely how this all develops. And I guess we're getting towards the end. It's been a fascinating conversation, Corio. Thanks for the insights. I picked up some insights too. And let's just make sure listeners know about about for shipping, of course. You help with FBA shipments from China to the U.S., but also, as I learned today, Southeast Asia or other parts of Asia to international markets. Do you want to maybe share a little bit more about what you can uh, offer? Thank you also have, yeah, like thanks. Thanks for giving me the chance to speak a little bit about uh, forest shipping. So, actually, forest shipping uh, international company has a history on e-commerce and specifically FBA Amazon shipping. Uh, industry more than nine years now. So many people ask how this name came up, Forest. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> and I, would like I think we know, but the listeners don't. Yeah. <laughs> so I would like to reply to this question. So needless to say that Forest is the founder's actual name. Who is a real nature adorer? So the company, despite its constant growth, always tries to offer not only cost and time efficient shipping, you know, solutions, but also sustainable to our environment. Uh, that's why I really wanted to mention that because people ask me why forest. So with warehouses in every corner in the greater China and now in uh, Los Angeles, being the first co-loader and being awarded in China for the FBA Amazon consolidations that we do, and not only has enabled forest shipping to become, and I feel very proud about that, but <laughs> to become an official, yeah, it's, it's big, uh, it's really an great. official approved member of the service provider network of 
Amazon family program. So after a long time, we managed to meet all uh, these program requirements that Amazon was asking from us. And right now, uh, all our Amazon sellers, they are also able to find us through the Amazon platform. So our services cover all FBA, Amazon and e-commerce needs worldwide. Uh, we offer international shipping, international returns, which is another big topic, international returns. Warehousing, FBA preparation, FBA photography services, inspection. Uh, if you want liquidation, like stock liquidation in the U.S. and more. So I think for all of us that, you know, they want to learn more about the company, they can just, you know, just visit our website, www.forest.com to get more information about us. Sure. And of course, as always, we try our best to link all these resources and of course your site on the show notes for today's episode and it's been it's been great Cornelia is there any I think we covered quite a bit is there any parting words or I think uh, I think we did quite a bit uh, I think I would like to give a few advices before uh, oh wow great uh, to our, Definitely. you know I would say Amazon sellers the first thing is do not panic <laughs> The second thing <laughs> is just check your ATIS code and keep updating that, keep searching if something has changed. You can talk with your freight forward about it. You can talk with your supplier. You can search on you know, an official website of the U.S. Customs. The third thing is if you really want to stay and source from China, you need to renegotiate with your suppliers. So if you are satisfied with your supplier, this is the first thing that you should do. You should, you know, if you have built already trusting relationship with your supplier, I think it, it, you will be able to meet halfway. And because of what is going on, you should not, you know, sacrifice your product quality or the services, but just try to maintain your margin somehow. And, you know, re recalculate your budget like you did the first time that you started you know decided that you want to start your own amazon business uh and probably you can scale back operation operational costs uh you need to be prepared the next thing is probably you need to be prepared that you're going to pay extra taxes because of this whole story but also, if you want, because there are also these options, it doesn't have to do whether I'm based in China, uh, but you can take a look outside of China, like Vietnam or India. I would even say Mexico if you want, it's like a quick solution. But the main thing is that if you really want to keep the quality that you have, those other markets like, you know, India or Vietnam, good or bad, and unfortunately, they have not developed the technology that China has, okay? And China has experienced for a long time with the international trade, okay? So before you decided, you know, to sacrifice your, your product, you need to be prepared that if you go to change and go to another market, probably you're going to face the, the same first problems that you had with China long time ago. Sure. So 
that, that's that I think this is the most important thing that even if you choose to have a product you know US made this doesn't necessarily mean that the raw materials they come from US again they come from China a vast majority of raw materials come from China so somehow this is going to affect again your prices and of course uh, do not focus only on the US, right? I think, Mike, we, we also need to mention that. There are like potential That is markets. true. That is a good point. Like, yeah, you're right. Amazon Australia right now, it, it's almost uh, one year. It's less than one year, actually. And there, there, there is plenty room for, for new sellers or, you know, Amazon India, which is really fast growing. Again, we need to think mm. also other options. It's not the end of the world. We are flexible, I think, all of us, and especially the Amazon sellers. True. So that's my advice. Really yeah, I like words. it. <laughs> I guess it's true. I was focusing on the supplier side, but you can also change the market side or diversify. I mean, I think the best business, like, you know, is a diversified business, right? Whether you're going to own the company for long term or whether you're, um, going to even sell it i mean showing that you have multiple you know multiple uh options for for as many different channels you know and markets i think of course it's gonna be more complex of course you got to be ready to manage multiple markets and inventories mm -hmm. but it's definitely going to make it more long-term valuable and stronger for your uh for your growing businesses so thanks again Cornelia. those are great i'm glad we got to add in that and uh to to really add more, even more value to this great episode. Thank you, and, Mike. Uh, Thank you. Thank you for inviting yeah. me, and to uh, thanks all uh, you know, all the listeners. I hope I offer some insights, you know, to to them, and uh, you know, just use the best for them and for their business. I just wish them good luck, and you know, calm down and stay Amazon seller. <laughs> yeah, just stay in the game. I think. There's always going to be speed bumps and uh, everybody's dealing with this. I mean, nobody's able to get, you know, it's going to be the same for everybody. So, you know, it just, uh, we all have to just adapt to it. The, the, the most important part is staying in the game. Exactly. Exactly. I'll be honest, cross-border summit in Guangzhou, China has got me a little bit nervous. This US trade war stuff, who knows what's going to happen, but I think people will be there for the trade show season. I would love to meet you. Unless the political climate gets so bad that Americans are banned from China, I will be there and we will have some amazing speakers. I've been talking to, been on the phone with amazing speakers in our industry for quite some time already. It was literally just in Guangzhou confirming the venue. We've been working on this already for months and it's a bit of a ways away. Early bird tickets are not yet open to the general public. It's only for VIP members right now. Check out the website. Support the show www.crossbordersummit.com. Thank you so much for your consideration. Thank you so much, Cornelia, for sharing. She's an amazing woman that's in Shenzhen five years working with e-commerce, logistics, sellers. So it's amazing insights. We will actually also be having her on a live webinar probably in July. It's the best way to get updated about 
more amazing stuff here at Global Formation. We, of course, try to announce things here on the uh, on the podcast, but email is, is I'm a little bit less shy to, to promote stuff in our email. So if you're subscribed to our email list, you'll get some various insights, usually once a week or so. If it's your first time on the email list, you'll probably go through a mini email e-course. Check it out. Usually just hop on the homepage, globalformation.com, and you can grab that email subscription and uh, get updated for these webinars and other amazing things we try to do here at best we can at Global From Asia. Now for my blah, blah, blah. Well, I mean, I actually learned some things. Thanks, Cornelia. So some of the things I'm thinking is, I think that's definitely true. I mean, Chinese sellers to the U.S. market, I have to feel like I have to be so clear. Foreign sellers, international sellers to the U.S. market, you know, the difference is maybe it's the art of war book or maybe it's the the culture the mindset the meditation i've been i've been meditating for 5 years now 4 at least 4 2014 i think i started so um uh, getting on close to 5 years i think it was but meditation and this whole asia way of thinking you know mindset clarity calmness management you know holistic thinking you know i think you can think about that i know a lot of times i've talked to sellers overseas in the u.s you know when there's a new chinese seller coming into their their niche their market they're pretty ruthless and i hate to say i don't want to make it seem like us versus them foreign versus not you know chinese or blah blah it's chinese sellers are competitive and what i mean that's why some of my friends that are chinese are sellers on fba are afraid of the chinese taobao seller getting onto ebay they're like don't teach chinese domestic chinese sellers about amazon they're going to compete with me because it's not like they're trying to attack or kill you know or beat or destroy foreign sellers they are trying to beat everybody and uh, you know the chinese business mentality is winner takes all uh you know whatever it takes to uh it's just business strictly business you know, it's not it's not personal. I just am here to make as much money and get as big as possible and grow my sales as much as possible. I will do almost whatever it takes to win. And, you know, you might have your opinion about that. I might have my opinion about that. But it's not there it's not like Chinese sellers attacking Western sellers. It's really they're attacking themselves. So I know that we have some Chinese sellers that listen to this show and I think that they would be agreeing with me. So it's uh it's just a mindset and they're they're not freaking out about this trade war. They're just going about their business as normal and they know that whatever the industry changes, they're gonna just be very methodical, strategic, data oriented, spreadsheet looking, conversion optimization looking people, where it's true. Like especially me. I'm not a data driven person. I'm a, I'm emotional driven and I know that's probably not proud of me to say but uh you know and and i've been improving on that i'm not as emotional driven but i think that that's maybe a western seller's mindset more than a asian or chinese seller's mindset we are more emotional creatures you know I, i i my wife even told me like the monkey mind you know the westerners you know a lot of times chinese say that they have 3000 years of history and that the westerners are I don't know if you know, but Wai Guo Ren is the Chinese Mandarin meaning of foreigners. It means outside. Wai is outside country people, outside country people. 
the idea is everybody in uh, the world came from China. So we are the less developed people uh, uh, in the world uh, because we've uh, we're not as uh, developed as Chinese. I don't want. I hope I'm not offending anybody. I'm probably offending my own quote unquote people as foreigners. But that the Chinese feel like they have more uh, because of this more cultural experience and mindset. White people or foreign people are more like monkeys, less developed. Chinese are more calm-minded, more zen. Um, I hope I'm not fitting people, but this is... Hey, man, this is this is a show. I, this is what's cool about podcasts. I don't have to get some uh, politically approved, you know, PC approval. I'm just putting it out there like it is, and I think if you're listening still at this blah, 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 you can keep listening, but that's just the way it is, and I mean... I've been trying to be more Zen, maybe more Asian. Maybe I've been in China and Asia and Thailand too long. My wife's deep into Buddhism now, and she did help me meditate a bit when I first met her, to be very honest with you. I was um, much more emotional then. But I think that's what makes maybe Westerners or foreigners more creative, more uh, unique. We're, we're, we're not trying to be um, calm-minded. We're not trying to uh, be standardized and data-driven and processed like, you know, um, we're more artistic. I think generally, of course, I'm talking very broadly here. Obviously, there's artistic Chinese people and there's uh, mathematical foreigners or non-Chinese people. But I'm just getting back to this whole trade war. I think it's true. Chinese sellers are not as afraid. They're not going to be like changing their business, giving up, changing their whole strategy, finding new suppliers just because of this one month of debate between U.S. and China political parties. So I think that should be something you should learn from. You should also just focus on your data. Know your HS code or your HTS code, harmonized tariff system, and uh, and just keep on focusing on that. And focus on your data, but focus on the business. You know, we can't control this U.S. trade war with China, especially Donald Trump. I mean, we can have our different opinions about him. He's probably not the most, uh, how do I say, smooth person, but he is... Um, me shaking things up that's for sure and we never know what the next tweet will be from his twitter account and we can't worry about that and everybody's dealing with the same cards you can't cheat the system um you can't forge documents to say it's made in hong kong or made somewhere else if it's made in china there might we've talked about this on previous episodes you could maybe ship it to mexico and do a certain amount of manufacturing on it maybe to get onto the enough to be made in mexico maybe this is a little bit tricky and pretty advanced and probably expensive and probably only if you're a big enough seller or a big enough product business to even consider doing something like that. So you just got to focus on it. And the last one I learned actually today with Cornelia or thought of realized is true. Why are we focusing just on the U.S. market, especially here at Global From Asia? As the words show, you can run a global business here if if you have a business maybe in Hong Kong, Singapore, or other parts of Asia and you're living somewhere anywhere in the world really you can buy your goods from china and send it to somewhere that doesn't have huge tariff code processing fees and all that stuff so maybe you should look to diversify to other markets besides the u.s obviously it's the big biggest i believe still and it's of course um especially for me i'm an american i know my market well but we should consider other other markets and uh Diversification, we've said that on the show, 
you know, I mean, Amazon is a channel. It's not a business. You're an Amazon seller. It doesn't mean you're only an Amazon seller. You should be looking to multi-channel. You should be building a brand. You should be building long-term value. You shouldn't be nervous if your account gets shut down. You shouldn't be nervous if this market's prices go up. If you are building a long-term brand that people like and listening to your mar- market, listening to your customer, you know, being better than your competitor's quality product, um, you know, I got slammed with some one-star reviews on the Mocha Pot uh, the last couple weeks. It's been been painful, and maybe it's a competitor, or maybe it's really a customer. There've been similar trends, but you just improve your product. You improve your listing. You improve the make the photo even more clear of what exactly features it has. You know, how many cups of coffee does it exactly make? What size cup is it? Is it an espresso cup or is it a jug of coffee? How many cups does it make? Update your photos, update your text, make your your listing as quality as possible, your product as quality as po- possible. And that is really the, the goal of a product-based business, whether it's a product or a service. I mean, your, um, like I said, CEO uh, is customer employee owner customers you know i think there's back and forth about customers first or or employees first you need a good team to deliver a good product or service to your customer but you know and then owner owners maybe raising money but your job is to keep your customers happy your team happy and your owners happy which is making more sales and more money um so yeah, I mean we can't control these. I think in life, especially if you want to be really stressed in life, you try to think about things and stress about things you cannot control. Uh, I don't think you can talk to the Chinese or U.S. president and change this his or their mind. Um, so you just gotta f- realize everybody else is dealing with those same stressful things. And uh, like Cornelia says, the Chinese sellers are just doing business as usual. And they'll adapt. But I do think Western or international sellers might have an advantage if it really does get horrible. You know, I think an international seller will have an easier time finding a Vietnam factory or finding a uh, another factory outside of China. Whereas I think it might be a little bit harder for a Chinese seller to be able to source outside. Of course, anybody can source anywhere and you can just send a buyer request. But it won't. I don't think is is uh, as straightforward. It'll you know they're just so used to buying from Chinese suppliers and talking in Chinese, so it'll be a totally different world. But that world is probably years and years or decades away. We we will see, and we will keep it up here. Again, make sure I'm plugging that survey. I'd love to have your input on our Global From Asia Trade War Survey. GlobalFromAsia.com/slash/trade-war-survey, all one word. And fill it out if you'd like. No option, not no requirement to leave your name or email. But if you do leave your email, we will send you that results as some kind of a pretty PDF and maybe make more of these white papers or research or surveys. I mean, I think that's something as our traffic and, and community has grown, we can tap into this community. And I've been talking to people at different media outlets and they want to hear this stuff and by you letting us know we can uh, we can know more what you're concerned about maybe you could even turn into more podcast shows and uh, and events like cross-border summits so thank you so much have a great day thanks for listening that's it 
To get more info about running an international business, please visit our website at www.globalfromasia.com. That's www.globalfromasia.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our iTunes feed. Thanks for tuning in.